0: They just say our toys become much more expensive than when we were young, because we start driving around with fancy cars and all those kind of things. No? And and when they, when a man gets to that a time in in his life where, uh, you know that, woman has got that time in their life as well, then the man normally wants to get a, a fancy car. So ladies, listen very carefully when they want to have a sports car and. Know, start combing their hair different if they have hair um, <laughs> then you must know there's something happening. Alright, but this morning is youth service. I just quickly want to give you some feedback. Um, on Wednesday I went to see the oncologist. Uh, no, let me start with some positive stuff. Um, it is, uh, it's amazing that Gorko uh, Debra is 90 years old. Huh? It's so amazing. And that, that was on Tuesday. So, was it Wednesday? Wednesday, okay, I've got the day wrong. On Wednesday, she turned 90. So, um, what a life. I mean, what a what life experience does she have? You know, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, and uh, this morning, I'm just gonna touch on that at one stage in the, in the sermon, because I wasn't thinking of her, but I was thinking of all of the people uh, and the relationship sometimes between older people and young people—it's—it's it's amazing. So, um, I just said to her congratulations quickly this morning. We send her a, a, a congratulations, but it's not the same. It's better to see the person face to face. One, you know, and and uh, it's uh, so amazing. And I, what 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 touches me is their example. Uh, now I'm just talking to Sister Royal as well, uh, because uh, Coco Royal as well. Same thing. Uh, they come to church, and if there's something that happens at the church, they involved. Absolutely amazing. And that at the age of 90 and 90 plus, it is such an amazing example. Uh, so I look up to them, and I think to myself, wow, just look at that. Uh, because I know the older we get, uh, the pains become more. Né? The legs doesn't want to work the way that it was supposed to. We think it's still gonna work the same way as when we were 20 and 30 years old, but it doesn't work like that. Uh, But still, they are so faithful, and uh, we are grateful to have them with us. Please turn with me to Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one. Now let me start with this. Children, if you want wisdom, this is the book to read. It is part of uh, wisdom literature, which means it's all about being wise. Now, there's a difference between having knowledge and being wise. Uh, We always say, oh, uh, wisdom comes with age. I wonder sometimes, because you get people that are gray, but they are definitely not wise. They do the most amazing, stupid things in their life. And so age has got nothing to do with it. You can be a youngster, yet you can be wise. Um, because if you follow the Lord and you do what God wants and and follow what what the book of Proverbs tells you, wow, you will have a life that will be an example to many. And I want to encourage you as young people, take the book of Proverbs. Uh, Some places, there's quite a lot um, that speaks about the same issue, but there's many places where it's just small Proverbs, but it's so amazing to read them and then to memorize them and to, then to say, you know what I want to do is to live in accordance to those Proverbs. And then you start applying it to your life, and you will see it's a challenge. It's a big challenge, but wow, it is absolutely amazing to read the book of Proverbs and then to apply it to our lives. Just absolutely fascinating. All right, so just quickly, my feedback. Um, on Wednesday, I went to see the oncologist, and the oncologist decided that uh, I'm not gonna continue with the chemo treatment. My body is rejecting the chemo, basically. Uh, so it gets to that point where sometimes your body just doesn't react to it anymore. So uh, my tumor markers went up, and, which means that the, the chemo is not doing what it's supposed to do. And then normally what they do is they change the chemo. Um, and they give you other different type of chemo, but because I have such a short time left Uh, He decided we're going to stop the chemo, but then we're going to focus on the radiation, God willing, next year, in the beginning, uh, let's say the second half of January. uh, Then I will be, God willing, going to Pretoria for five to six weeks for uh, radiation treatment, Um, and then they will fight the, the tumor with radiation. So that's basically where I'm at. Uh, God willing, in December I have to go for a CT scan so that they can see where the position is of of the tumor so that they can basically then treat it with radiation treatment in January, God willing. All right, so um, up to now, thank you very much for your prayers. This also means that it's possible for the tumor to start growing again uh, because I'm not having uh, chemo treatment. I will be continuing with some of my natural stuff uh, in the meantime. And then we trust the Lord that whatever his will is will be done. Because that's the amazing thing when it comes to the God that we serve. And that's one one thing about wisdom is that we can place our full trust in the Lord. Because he knows what he's doing. It sometimes feels as if God doesn't know what he's doing. When we look at the world and we look at the things that's happening in the world. But that's not true. God looks at the bigger picture. He sees everything at the same time because he's outside of time and space. So he's looking at our lives and and, uh, he looks at my birth and he looks at my death at the same time. Because he's not connected to time and space. So that's why God can know all things that happens all at the same time. And he can intervene and do what needs to be done because he knows it all. Right? So... Things are in God's hands. And part of wisdom is to, to really be able to trust the Lord. But there's another thing that, the Apostle, oh, that uh, Solomon uh, gives us in, in this passage, and that's so beautiful. And that is, there's an element that we need to have with regards to God, and it's wise to have that. And that is to fear the Lord. To fear Him, to really, really fear Him. Not to fear people. People can only do something to our bodies, but they cannot touch our soul. But God can cast our body and our soul into hell. So it's very wise to fear the Lord, to have a good reverence, but a deep-rooted fear or deep-seated fear for the Almighty God. All right, before we continue, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning, and it's amazing to be able to, to call on you and to know that, You're listening to us. And and I'm thinking about it that there are people praying all over the world and you are listening to every single prayer that they pray. And that just leaves us in awe of who you are, in wonder of your greatness and your the fact that you are awesome, that you are almighty, omnipresent. Every attribute that the bible describes is just absolutely amazing so father this morning as we look at proverbs that you inspired the the uh the king of israel to write king solomon we pray father that you will open up our hearts to receive your word and our minds to understand your word and for our bodies to be able to apply your word to our lives father it's only possible if you make it possible so i pray that it will be possible this morning and as I teach your people this morning and especially the youth I pray please father will your word accomplish that which you set it out to accomplish this I pray in Jesus name amen all right so I just want to I'm jumping all over the place this morning so please forgive me Uh, I want to say thank you very much for your prayers your thoughts your just just to Uh, Everything that has been done, uh, caring for us, and and it uh, has been such a blessing um, to experience the love of this congregation towards us uh, in the time that we've we've just gone through with regards to the chemo and and the side effects. And then I feel good and then I don't, you know, all that kind of thing. So thank you very, very much. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the good stuff. Let's get back to the Word. Before I read it, I just want to say something. There's there's something that I've noticed that many young people have in common. And that is that young people think that they know more about life than their parents and older people. Have you noticed that? Have you experienced it in your own life? I mean, those who are older. Um, There was a stage in my life when I looked at my, my parents, I thought to... Yeah, you've become uh, stupid. You don't know so much anymore. Uh, when When I was very young, I mean, I looked up to my parents and they knew everything. It was so amazing. But as I grew up, they just, they knew nothing. Well, they knew a little bit, but... And as I grew older, I realized, whoa, wait, 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 wait. They've got life experience, something that I don't have. And their life experience gives them um, something that I am still reaching towards. Something that I would like to have. And when they talk and when they do things, they do it from that life experience. And then you have people that are just extremely wise. When you ask them for an answer to something, the answer they give you is such a wise answer. The the wisdom just flows out of them. Uh, I've been... Honored and blessed to, to have known quite a few people in my life that that are wise. Um, it just overflows with wisdom. But it's amazing that that young people think that older people, that they know nothing. Um, but I think it's just it's a phase of life. But I think, and, and I'm. I think that they miss a lot. Instead of going and sitting with older people and just say. Just tell me about your life, what you experienced. Um, I remember the first time I went to visit, or we went to visit Sister Royal. Uh, I sat with her because she was um, in Soweto at the time of the of the with the youth. You remember? What is it? 1979, 1976. Um, She was there, and I remember just sitting there and just listening to what she had to say it wasn't head knowledge it was life life experience and then watch sh- not just what she experienced there but if you l- look at a life of more than 90 years then you can know there's a lot of life experience in there same with sister deborah a lot of life experience and sometimes young people will will be wise to sit with all the people and just listen to what they have to say Because we're living in an age where it seems as if the world wants to tell young people, young people, you can do anything you want, everything you want, and you are the people for the time. And then young people think because their parents and their grandparents can't handle a cell phone that they're stupid. (laughs) It's not true. Not true at all. Because those who are young now, you don't know what it means to live with a candle, do you? You don't know what it means to go to the out room, that's the toilet, and it's outside. There are some young people, who, especially when you grow up now in the rural areas, but with you in town, there's no such thing. There are things that older people have experienced and lived through that you don't even know what it is all about. I, I, I listen to you. Young people talk about apartheid, and I think to myself, you haven't got a clue what you're talking about. You might have heard a lot of things. You've got knowledge. And maybe you can grab your phone and Google it. That's not life experience. That's knowledge, and, and how do you know that Google is right? So th- that's the reality of, of life, is that there are people with life experience. And you cannot ch- exchange life experience for anything. It's just the most precious thing that exists. I'm unfortunately one of those people, and so this is kind of a warning as well to you young people. I'm one of those people that I don't want to listen when people give me good advice. I want to go and test to see whether it's true. So I would get advice, but i still go and do it. And at the end of the day, it just backfires Instead of just listening, and I wouldn't have had to to go through such suffering if I just listened to wise counsel from all the people. So I think it's all about attitude now. Yeah. It's all about how do we look at life and how do we look at all the people? Do we look at all the person as a as as a as, as a how can I say? A storage house of wisdom and knowledge and life experience, or do I look at that person and say, oh, "I've got to get up again and go and help that person because they can't walk well and all that kind of stuff"? Is it just a nuisance? The reality is that there's so much in our older people, and nowadays I, I don't think I'm wrong if I say that many older people feel useless because young people think that they know everything they don't need the older people because they know when in fact they don't that's the reality of life you see young people they lack life experience and then when because they lack life experience and they lack wisdom they tend to make bad decisions Bad ones. And more often than not, they tend to go in the wrong direction. That's reality. Because they don't have life experience to fall back on. So they think they know, but they don't know. Someone said that young people have the tendency to jump before looking. And normally that's when they get hurt. Which means they will do something without thinking of the consequences. Because we're living in a world where it is told to young people, there's no consequences to your actions. You can just blame somebody else. You just play the victim. There's always somebody else that is at fault. Where the reality of life is, What you sow, you shall reap. There's always consequences for everything that we do. And let me tell you, some consequences, unfortunately, are much worse than others. So, that's the reality of life. That's the reality of the world that we live in. That's the reality of being human. It's such a privilege. It's amazing. It's so wonderful. And I really... I would love to see young people go back a few years, you know, to young people a few years ago, where young people still listened to older people and they didn't think they know everything because they can Google it. The thing is, when young people jump before looking, unfortunately they land knee-deep in trouble. And that's normally a very, very painful thing, but that's the reality of life. And let me tell you, I I, I watch, and I look, and I listen. And um, we're living in a time in history where more mistakes are being made than wise decisions are being made. And it's so unfortunate. And uh, maybe... There is some blame to be placed at the feet of the older people because they feel inadequate and they feel that they can't talk to the young people because the young people know things and all these. So let me let, let's go to Proverbs. It's the first chapter, so it's the beginning chapter. It's kind of where Solomon starts when he writes the the book of Solomon. Beautiful wisdom literature where the the um, the king of Israel, he—you remember—he took over from David as the king of Israel, and this is kind of the introduction. This is how he starts. He says, uh, "The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel." They introduce, introduces himself. He tells us who he is. Now, so he is Solomon, the son of David, and he is the king of Israel. So this guy is not just some wishy-washy guy. This is the king. Uh, he had a massive responsibility a lot of people that was subject to him and uh, he was one of those people that went around and he wanted to find out what life was all about and that's why he wrote uh, proverbs and ecclesiastes amazing books to read where he in in the songs of solomon it seems like he was a young man you know he talks about his lover and then uh, proverbs must have been about middle-aged and then when he writes ecclesiastics he's an old man and he looks back at life and he says i've gone through all these things i've tested it i've tried it i've every everything under the sun i've tried and he ends off by saying there's just one conclusion to all that has been said and that is fear god and keep his commandments that's his conclusion. At the end of a a long, prosperous life as the king of Israel and the son of David. So he says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And now he gives us the purpose for why he's writing this book. He says, To know wisdom. Sorry, I'm reading from the ESV, so it's going to be a little bit different to the New King James that I normally use. All right. He says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, in justice, in equity, uh, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. So his purpose is to give knowledge to the youth. But remember, he is giving knowledge to the youth as an older man, right? He's he's middle aged, let's say 40, 50 years old, kind of roundabout. when he writes this, and he's done so many things as the king, and he's tried so many things, and by that time he was married to so many women, so and he made so many mistakes in his life. Um, so he writes this so that he could basically share knowledge, to share with the, the young people what he has gone through, what his life um, was all about, and then discretion also to the youth. Now in our passage, young people, uh, Solomon was writing that Two young people, I believe, because they had a lack of wisdom. Through his years he must have had interaction with a lot of young people and most probably he's looking back at his own life and he's thinking to himself, but when I was young, yo, I messed up, I, I did so many things wrong, if I could re- do, redo my life or rehave my life now, with the knowledge and the wisdom I've got now I would have done things completely different and I think there's most probably most of the older people that are here if you had to live your life again would there be things that you would change Uh, would you do exactly what you've done at the end of the day I think we all look back because we can see the mistakes that we've made and we can we, we can think about those things and say, I could have done it like this, or like this, or like this, but now I'm doing it, or I'm thinking back with the wisdom I've, I've got now, and the life experience I have now. So when Solomon speaks to the young people, he's talking to them about, and if you read Proverbs, you will find out that he's talking about a lot of things that happened in his life, a lot of things that he experienced in his life. And he wants he's... His son now nah, he wants the young people he wants them to, to to understand things he wants them to have knowledge about certain things so that they don't have to do the same thing he did repeat the same things because Solomon had a tough time very very tough time you will remember that Solomon's uh, after Solomon we have David as king then we have Solomon as king and then after Solomon The nation of Israel is split into two because his children just couldn't see eye to eye. So then you have the northern region of Israel and the southern region of Israel, and the reason why it's split into two parts is because of what Solomon did. Massive repercussions his life had. So he's writing this and he says, I want you to learn, I don't want you to make the same mistakes. But unfortunately even in the bible we read that guess what young people do they say ah you don't know what you're talking about and then they go and do exactly the same thing Uh, there's this saying like father like son is it um like mother like daughter is there something like that But what we do is we duplicate ourselves into our children. That's the reality. But when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to true biblical knowledge, knowledge of who God is, knowledge about life and how to live life to the glory of God, those are things that we can learn, praise God, from all godly people, older people. And that's so amazing. Now, we we must remember that Solomon was writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was it just writing because he thought it was a good idea to write. Uh, When God asked Solomon what did he want, he could actually tell God anything. He could say anything and God would have given it to him. But he said to God, I would like to have wisdom. So that's what Solomon received. Maybe he should have added to his request and say, yes, God, give me wisdom, please. And then give me the ability as well to apply the wisdom to my life. That would have been a cool one, because he had wisdom. He was the wisest man ever to live on the face of this planet except Christ. Very wise. But the problem was that Solomon couldn't, didn't apply his own wisdom. There were times that he did, but many times he didn't. And that would cause a lot of problems in his own life and in the life of his family, unfortunately. Unfortunately. All right, so Solomon basically gives the instructions. He gives these wise words to young people, uh, and then he leaves it up to them. They have to decide what they are going to do with it. Uh, I want you to look at verse 7 quickly. Verse 7 of uh, Proverbs chapter 1. And here he starts. Remember he says in verse uh, 4 that he wants to to, to impart knowledge to the young people and discretion. And then he says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So right there in the beginning, he says to the young people, listen, if you want to understand, um, how can I say, if you want to have real knowledge about God, it starts with fearing God. Fearing who God is and fearing what God is able to do. Because God is God and we are human. All right? All right. Then he continues and says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, so those who fear the Lord, they wise. And those who despise um, wisdom and instruction, Solomon says, they fools. Because uh, they're going to make massive mistakes in their lives. And the chances are, within the New Testament context, if somebody just continues making a mess of their life and do not turn to Christ by faith nah, and repent of their sin, they're going to end up in eternal damnation, eternal hell, without hope, without Christ. So it's very important that while we are still alive, that we make good decisions while we are in this life. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Solomon gives a multitude of wonderful instructions to young people, and I uh, hopefully they will listen and learn and apply it to their lives. And I hope the same thing as I share with you this morning, that you will hopefully listen, learn and apply it to your life. Because what I would like to do is, the Bible is an amazing book. The Bible is not afraid to talk about people's mistakes. Uh, when you find other books, normally when people write books, they don't write a book and say, Okay, I'm going to give the mistakes of the people that I'm going to uplift in this book. Uh, so I've got this main, these main characters and I'm going to uplift them and I'm going to show them that they are saints and they're these m- awesome people. But then I'm going to tell you all the nonsense that, that they've done in their lives. Normally books doesn't work like that, especially religious books. But the Bible Not afraid to tell us about the mistakes of people. Not at all. And what I would like to do this morning is to to just dig into three examples that the Bible gives us of young people who made mistakes. Now it doesn't mean that these young people were very young. It just means they were young in the sense that they um, didn't have life experience. They didn't have a lot of wisdom. And they didn't have a lot of knowledge about God. Because if they had, they wouldn't have made the mistakes that they made. All right, the first example, I th- I just thought, wow, what a place to start. Let's start with the first example and start with Adam and Eve's first son, the oldest one. Who can tell me what his name is? Anybody? Adam and Eve's first son, oldest son. Okay, Cain, eh? yeah right Cain so let's look at him we, we read about him so I'm not going to take a. am going to read a, a few verses um, but we find his story and it's a tragic tra- tragic story in Genesis chapter 4 after Adam and Eve has been kicked out of the Garden of Eden because they sinned against God uh, now they're outside of the garden and they're going to carry the consequences of this sin the earth is cursed Adam is cursed Eve is cursed it's, it's just so, so sad, and you have these two brothers, Cain and Abel, and we read about them. Uh, the one is the oldest, Cain, and he was a farmer. Nah? He farmed vegetables. And Abel, what did he do? Ah, he was a, a farmer of animals, right? livestock. So they were farmers, both of them, but different things. So, let's read what, uh, what Genesis teaches us. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, and 3 to 5 says, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, because he was a vegetable farmer. So he brought some of the fruit or the food, you know, the, the vegetables, he brought to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and now we read, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So you, here you have the two brothers coming to the Lord. The one brings vegetables, and he offers it to the Lord. And the other one brings, one, he's firstborn, and he offers it to the Lord, including the fat of the animal. And God accepts the animal, but he rejects the vegetables. And now you might think, but that's unfair. They both brought it in, in, I mean, in love. They wanted to worship God. The thing is, when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, just before that happened, can you remember... That God made the first offering. He slaughtered an animal and then he took the skin of the animal and he gave Adam and Eve some clothes. All right, I told you before, let me just tell you again, that's why we wear clothes. Okay, It's because um, God gave Adam and Eve the first clothes. So an innocent animal died for, to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. So the kind of offering that God would accept would not be vegetables. Remember what Adam and Eve clothed themselves with? Remember? How did they cover themselves before God made them clothes? Oh, with leaves. Wow, amazing. So it's easy to understand why God would reject the vegetable stuff. And he would accept the animals because God wants people to do what he says and how he does it. Not the way they think they can do it. And, and that's the problem with Cain. Cain decided, no, 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 I'm going to bring vegetables. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what God wants and what God doesn't want. I'll bring the stuff that I want. Okay, he still wanted to worship God. That's at least, that's something. Eh? But the problem was he wanted to worship God the way that he wanted to worship God. It's kind of Cain saying, hey God, you shut up, I'll do what I do. I'll worship you the way I want to worship you. And we find that in many churches today, no? doesn't matter what the Bible says about worship. doesn't matter what the Bible says about how we should serve the Lord. They just do their own thing. They do it the way they want to do it, exactly like Cain did it. So they reject what God wants and just do their own thing. So you see that selfishness already right there in Cain. The problem is when... God rejected the offering of Cain. What did he do? Did he go and say to his brother, "Listen, brother, you know I'm a vegetable farmer, and I would like to bring God the kind of offering that's pleasing to him. Will you please give me one of your other firstborn so I can offer it to God?" No, that's not what he does. You know what Cain does? He gets angry. And and the passage says that his countenance changed, which means he became all emotional. You could see on his face that all hell broke loose in his mind and in his face. He was so upset with God. Who is God that he will not accept what I bring to him? Ah, That's the problem. And why did Cain do this? I think it's because he was a young man, very arrogant, thought he knew it all. Instead of going to his dad and say, Dad, what does God want? How does God want things to be done? No, instead he says, I'll do it my way. It, it sounds familiar. You know? Yeah, it's, it's the world that we live in. People do whatever they want. Doesn't matter what God says, doesn't matter what God wants, they do whatever they want. And if God says it this way and they want to do it this way, they'll do it their way and they'll twist what God says so that they can do it the way they want to do it. That's the way it works. That's the problem with sinful nature. You see, Adam and Eve was already kicked out of the garden of Eden and Cain and Abel already had a sinful nature. So that sinful nature that was inside of them was already moving Cain Toward something but that's not the worst of all it was bad enough that Cain didn't want to do what God wanted him to do and didn't want to bring the offering that God expected from him you know what he did he killed his brother and that's the first time we read about bloodshed on this earth and, and the blood of his brother his younger brother, he's supposed to be the older brother brother that looks after the younger brother. No, that's how it works. That looks out for his brother, that loves him. No, he kills him. And then the blood of Abel cries out to God. And that's when God came and spoke to Cain. Not as if God didn't know. But it was amazing when the countenance of, of Cain changed. When God saw that Cain is angry. yeah oh, he's so upset. And when his face changed, God spoke to him. And this is what he said to him in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? He's saying, if you go and get a firstborn animal and come and offer it, don't you think I'll accept it? Obviously God will accept it because that's what God wants. God continues to say, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, Cain. Sin is waiting to overtake you, Cain. God warns him. In advance, he says, I can see you are angry. I can see your face has changed. I can see you're so upset. All you need to do, Cain, is do the right thing. Stop doing your own thing and start doing what I expect from you. And if you do what I expect from you, don't you think I'll accept what you're bringing to me? But he says, the problem is if you don't. There's something else that's lying at your door and it's going to overtake you. And what's going to happen is you are going to fall into grave sin. And God warns him, watch out. And it says, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Okay, And you should not allow this anger of yours to take over. Don't allow your emotions to take over so that at the end of the day you just want bowl of emotions. And you don't use your brain. Because that's what happens nowadays. But it happened, well, it's been part of history. And, and I, I normally see it in riots. And I was looking at the riots that was taking well, Not riots, what do you call it? It's not toy-toy all over the world. We, know, we call it toy-toy, but I mean the things that was happening between the, the Israel and the Palestinians over the weekend. And you can see how people are acting in their emotions. And I was amazed to see how many young people were involved in those toy toys. And I think to myself, wow. Isn't it true? Isn't God's word so amazing? And the warning already goes out in Genesis chapter 4. Cain, sinners waiting at the door to take hold of you, to destroy you, Cain. I'm warning you. Nope. What happened? Scripture teaches us that Cain killed his, his brother. And when God asked him, where's your brother? says, I'm not my brother's keeper. Arrogant. Absolutely just flowing with arrogance, so full of pride. And why? He was acting in his emotions. He didn't have control over his life. He didn't have control over his sinful desires and his sinful nature. Unfortunately, that's the reality in the life of Cain. You see, God knew that Cain's anger could get out of hand, that it can cause him to sin. But Cain didn't want to listen. So what we see here is different, let's call it different versions of the same mistake that we see today. And and it's interesting, I was listening to someone this weekend talking about anger. And they say the reason why people become very, very angry is because they become isolated. Uh, Isolation causes you to become extremely angry. What they did was they took some rodents, some rats, and they did an experiment. So they had this group of rats, and they took 15 of those rats, took them out of the group, okay, and then they... They kind of separated them, each one of them, in isolation. And they did this for for a while. And then they took those 15 rats that were in isolation, and they took them and they put them back into the group of of rodents, this big group of rats. And it was amazing what they found. They found that these rats that were isolated, that they were filled with rage. They started biting the other rats. They, they could not associate themselves with these other rats. It was as if these other rats were foreign to them. So they started fighting them. And they say that anger is exactly the same way and, and, and with our youth today. And Satan has got it right to isolate our young people. And why do I say that? Don't you sit on your phone most of the day? Don't you sit in front of a computer or in front of the TV screen most of the day? How many friends do you have on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, that X or what, what, all this stuff? How many friends do you have? By the way, they're not really friends, eh? You know that. A friend in need is a friend indeed. Somebody that is right there and that will be be there for you. it's, It's a figment of people's imagination if they have 500 friends on Facebook that they have 500 friends. That's nonsense. That's not reality. So what happens is young people specifically are being isolated on social media. And what they learn, they learn from other young people who have no life experience either. So you're asking for a disaster already. And then you have all these different voices, and nobody knows who's right and who's wrong. But the thing with social media is it isolates young people from reality and from society. And, And it's been proven in America. You know with these school shootings? It's heartbreaking, but if you went and looked at those, the profiles of those peop- those young people that went and shot other young people at school. They were loners. They were isolated. And therefore they could not see other people as people anymore. They couldn't see the school children that went to, them, uh, w- went to school with them as other children Or people created in the image of God. No, they started believing what they had in their mind while they were isolated. And so their actions was completely in emotions. But it was wicked emotions. Evil. And this was God's warning to Cain. And Cain still killed his brother. And then he had this arrogant... Or this arrogance when he spoke to the Almighty God. I think if Solomon was there, he would have said to him, Hey, buti, ken, shut up. Knowledge starts with the fear of the Lord. If you want to be wise, start with fearing God, who can cast your body and soul into hell. God warned you, but you wouldn't listen. Why? Because you think God is nothing. You think nothing of God. And that's the problem, isn't it? And the problem is that the mistake of Cain was just escalated or it just escalated and just become wor- became worse and worse and worse to the point of murder. But it started with anger, and then an acting in the emotions and facial expressions that changed. That's where it started. It didn't start with murder. It ended in murder. I love it it's a warning for us young people it's a warning and and we should just listen. We should just listen. What was wrong with what Cain did? First thing is he couldn't accept correction. Second thing is that he just didn't control his anger. Not, not that he couldn't, because God said you must rule over your sin, over those emotions. Rule over it. But he didn't want to. He just allowed his emotions to rule over him. And it, it ended up in one of the greatest disasters in his human history. I think the biggest one was Adam and Eve when they sinned against God and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the second one is Cain killing his own brother. Heartbreaking stuff. Heartbreaking. So he didn't control his anger and he was overcome by his emotions and sin and evil. The third thing is he did or he had no pleasure in doing what was right in the sight of God. He was controlled by his emotions, he was controlled by his sinful nature. He didn't do what was right, he didn't want to do what was right, he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Sounds familiar? Yep. When Paul warns Timothy nah, in Second Timothy, he says, perilous times will come because people will be lovers of self. It's prophesied even in the New Testament because it's a reality of human nature that if sin is not controlled, sin will destroy. That's what sin does. And the fourth thing we learn from his life is that Cain's life was destroyed by his sin. He was driven away from his family. We read that in chapter 4, verse 12. He was marked as a sinner, chapter 4, verse 15. And he was looked down on by society, chapter 4, verse 17. Just think about those young people that would go into a school and then, if they're not shot and they are taken captive and they get a life sentence. And while the court case is going on, the world is looking at this young person whose life is ahead of him, but because of what they did. They destroyed their own lives. Not just their own lives, the life of their family, the life of their friends. And they are looked down by society because now it's no longer that young man that is suffering you know struggling a little with with emotions or things like that no it's that criminal it's that murderer that killed other young people that's the reality that we're living in but what amazes me is the warning in Genesis chapter 4 no? so many years ago God knew exactly what would come you see nothing changed there's nothing new under the Sun says Solomon Nothing. What happened in the past is just going to repeat. It's going to become more sophisticated and maybe technologically advanced. That's all. But young people, you're going to make the same mistakes as your parents. If you don't listen to them. You're going to make the same mistakes as older people if you don't listen to them. And apply good, solid advice to your own life. But no, unfortunately, that's not how it works. How could Cain avoid this sin? It's actually very simple. I believe it would have started with just humbling himself before God. God, I wanted to do my own thing. I, I thought I was clever. I, I thought you would be Willing to accept my offering because, I mean, you know, I'm not a farmer that farms with cattle and, and animals and stuff. So I, I thought, in my foolishness, that you would accept my offering. But I see that you're not happy with this. You're not you, you're not happy with what I'm uh, what I've done, and, and I pray that you please forgive me. And if Cain would only have humbled himself in the sight of God, but no. Sin was knocking at the door. And he opened up the door for sin. Even though God warned him. So a little bit of humility would have gone far in Cain's life. Second thing that would have gone far in the life of Cain is love for his brother. Do you think that Cain loved his brother, Abel? Is it love to take your brother because... He gave an offering that was accepted by God and I gave an offering that wasn't accepted by God. And now I'm jealous and I'm upset and I'm angry and, my, and, I, and I start acting in the, my emotions and I turn around and I kill my brother. Is that love? Is that love if we attack, or if one person attacks another person on the street? Is that love when hatred just flows out of people's mouth and what you hear them say is just hatred? Is it love when you hear this happened in Australia? When it was cried out, gas the Jews, gas the Jews, gas the Jews. When the Bible teaches us that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Is that easy? We love ourselves so much. It's not st- Difficult to love yourself. I I think it's difficult to stop loving ourselves. We're living in a time and age where we love ourselves so much. That's the kind of love that we need to transfer to our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. Those who we do not agree with. Those that look different than I look. Those who talk different than I talk. Those who act different than I act. I still need to transfer the love that I have for myself to them. That's what needs to happen. But clearly Cain didn't love his brother. His anger turned into hatred. And his hatred turned out to become murder. Do you wanna know how it's possible for one nation to rise up against another nation and wipe that nation off the face of the planet? Genocide, you know how it's possible? You know where it starts? It starts with acting in the emotions. To become very angry. And when sin knocks at the door, the door is opened up for sin. And then it ends up in murder. Where one person can kill another without blinking an eye. Where children can be killed, where young ladies can be raped and then killed. And I'm not talking about the Israeli situation now. Can you remember a few years ago in South Africa? A baby was raped? You remember that? Do you remember that court case? It broke my heart. It wasn't just one case. Beloved, sin is a dangerous thing to think that you can play with it. You can't. And if God gives the warning, listen. Listen to his warning. God knows what he's talking about. It's not as if God didn't know that Cain was going to kill his brother. Now we can say, but why didn't God stop him? God is almighty. He's the all loving God. Why didn't he stop Cain from killing his brother? Didn't God give him a will? Didn't God warn him? Didn't God say to him, Cain, you need to rule over sin? He didn't listen. He didn't care. Young people, the same thing today. When I preach from this pulpit and I say to you, this is what is written, and I'm sharing with you what the scripture teaches, that's God speaking, it's not me. And and, and let me tell you, in God's word, God has given us all the warnings we need. About sin, about eternity, about going to hell, about eternal life. Everything has been written down. All we need to do is listen. 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 And then apply it to our lives. But people don't do that. They rather act like Cain. They become all emotional, get full of anger. They pick up their fists to God because they hate him. And the next moment you see sin. And you just shake your head and you say, How is it possible that people can fall into this kind of sin? But we've been warned and now you might think to yourself I said there's three examples and I've just done one so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stop here I hope because each one of these examples is filled they are filled with principles very much like we've we see here in the life of Cain. There's only one solution to the problem of sin and God made or how can I say God is the one who came not just came up with a solution but he resolved the issue. It's when Jesus Christ came to this earth the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, when he came to this earth and he gave himself as a substitute for the sins of people like Cain, people like me, and people like you. Jesus, the one who, is, who had no sin, who did no sin, died for sinners like us. So that when we come to him and we repent, we humble ourselves and we repent and we say, I have sinned against you or I have done my own thing and I've been trying to do my own thing. I've actually tried to get to heaven my own way by thinking if I'm good enough, I will go to heaven. And I've actually spat in your face because there's only one way to be saved. And that's not to do good works, but to have faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. But if I can come to God and I can acknowledge with fear and trembling before him, I'm a sinner and I know I'm lost and I'm going to hell, please forgive me. And I believe that Jesus Christ died and paid the penalty for my sin. And I trust that he is the only one who can take me to heaven. That's God's solution. So that when sin comes knocking at the door, let's call it figuratively speaking, I don't have to open that door, but it's Christ in me who opens up the door, for he has conquered sin, and he has conquered death, and he is victorious over sin and death, and the power of evil, and the power of Satan, and the power of this world, And when he opens up the door, he can chase whatever is in front of the door away so that I can live the kind of life that is pleasing to God. But it's only possible through Christ. So young people, you can choose to live the life of Cain. Do your own thing. And whatever God says, twist it, turn it, do whatever. And think you're right. Or you can humble yourself and do what God wants and turn by faith to Jesus Christ alone, repent of your sin. And when sin comes knocking at your door, you will not be overcome by sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name. And thank you, Father, that. You have given us even the life of our first parents, Adam and Eve, their son, and showed us exactly what he did so we can learn and we can see what those mistakes was that he made so we don't have to repeat them. But Father, the reality is that sometimes we just do our own thing and we just want to do our own thing and we just carry on in the way that we want to carry on. And I want to pray, Father, please, in Jesus' name. Draw us to yourself and allow us to, to take the, he, the, the warnings of your word apply it to our lives. And where I've just touched the surface of what I wanted to share this morning, may what has been shared Burn into the hearts of those who needs to be burned into. And may your word not ac- ac- go out and accomplish what it sets out to accomplish and not return void. So I pray, Father, in Jesus' name.